Welcome to the Biz and Tech Podcast. My name is Blake Dowling. I am the CEO of Aegis Business Technologies. At Aegis, we provide IT support. We help you when things aren't working right. On top of IT support, we've been doing a lot of phishing simulations lately. If you haven't done one at your office, give me a holler. It really helps to see your vulnerability to cyber threats as the cyber threat landscape is constantly changing. That being said, welcome to season two of the Biz and Tech podcast. We've been at it over a year, and today we are joined by Nick Iarasi, one of the founders at Capital City Consulting. Welcome, sir. What's up? Hey, it's good to be here. I've actually fallen victim to some of your phishing scams. Well, I wasn't uh, going to divulge that. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, no yeah. chat about They're pretty tricky. Behavior, They're but, pretty uh, tricky. Yep, pretty tricky. You but I bet you don't anymore. I don't. I just don't open anything anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the same way. I got an Amazon email the other day, and it's like, your account is yeah. overdrawn $3,000. Delete. Yep. You know. Yep. Hackers is, are devious. You, all, of your, uh, all of your tactics and training have just scared me off of literally opening any attachments from now on an email. It's, well, it's scary what can be done out there, but you guys do a good job. It's vicious because the old days of the mass email attacks, those are long gone. People are looking for the yeah. singular attack, the socially yeah. engineered singular attack yeah. from someone you know, someone you might trust or do business with. So, uh, yeah, they're very clever. It really is. Thanks very for clever. mentioning that. Yeah. And the free food coupons. That always gets people. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've stayed away from those as well. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that being said, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on at Capital City Consulting. I'm sure last year doing business in your industry was... Very different, as it is for everyone out there. But um, you founded the business in 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, we've been rolling along. I mean, look, it's things have changed dramatically with COVID, the way that you do business. But it's it's like any other business. You just evolve, right? you got to find a way to get what you need done, to access the people that you need to access to influence decision-making. And it's done a lot electronically, you know, now. But uh, our firm is lucky enough to have good access to the decision-makers. So, um, you know, we've all kind of evolved and learned how to adapt to the new world, but it hasn't been without its challenges. Absolutely. I remember knocking on you all's door back in 2006 for the first time and um, watching you all grow the business and become, you know, one of the most elite uh, lobbying firms in the States. Pretty cool. So congratulations on that journey. Well, it's about hiring good people. You know, we had, uh, we started in 2003, as you mentioned, with uh, uh, Gerald Wester and Pat O'Connell and Ron LaFace and I, the four of us. And we've grown it into one of the largest firms in the state now. And uh, Gerald and, and Pat have since retired. Um, but, uh, you know, Ron and I have, you know, really focused on just hiring quality people. And that's created quality results. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. So you have a new building. Um, How does it feel to be one of the premier buildings in uh, downtown Tallahassee? The downtown Tallahassee area has grown so much over the years. And mm-hmm. to see, uh, see it evolve and to see what people are doing with that space is really cool. What was that process like? And uh uh, from moving to the old business and from Greenberg Traurig uh, into the new space. What yeah. was that journey like? Well, we love our new building. You know, we designed it from scratch. We knocked down an existing building on Jefferson Street, uh, designed this one, and designed it for more of a lobbying operation. Most of the offices downtown are older buildings and it were designed for old law firms or accounting firms. So we wanted something more open, more modern, lots of glass, lots of collaborative workspace, and something that's tailored more toward uh, specifically what we do in the government affairs space. And so we love being there. Uh, we're really proud of it. It was um, uh, Ajax Construction actually did the, uh, which you know Jay Smith well, um, they did the construction for us, did an excellent job. And we're really happy with the way it turned out. But, you know, it's it, building is building. And it it, uh, it takes a lot of time and effort yeah, in picking things out. I was b- building a house uh, for my family at the same exact time. It was t- terrible timing to do two building projects at the same time. But both have turned out well, and, and we're, we're pleased to invest in downtown. I mean, look, we all live in Tallahassee. Tallahassee's our home. It's where we're raising our families. 
So we wanted to invest uh, in an office building downtown, build something that we can be proud of and that I think is also enhances the downtown uh, atmosphere. And so that little strip of Jefferson Street now across from City Hall where our building is, Florida Power and Light built a brand new building there. We've got Ron Book and Associates next to us with a nice office. So that strip went from a kind of a dilapidated area to a really nice uh, nice stretch, which is nice because it's only a block from the Capitol. And uh, the location's great because legislators are, are willing to walk across the street, you know, to, to visit with us. And during COVID, where the Capitol's kind of locked down, uh, we didn't know this at the time, but that location is proving to be even more beneficial than we ever anticipated. Location, so. location, yeah, location, it really is, yeah, yeah. It's huge. You know, fun fact, greenberg Traurig, uh one of my first jobs was with, was with greenberg Traurig. I did not know that. I yeah. was a runner. Good people. Yeah, good firm, good people. We yeah. spent a lot of years renting office from them. Mr. Baggett um, used to give me the keys to the yeah. Jaguar and say, go to the airport and pick up this client and yeah. act intelligent. Yeah, Fred's a great guy. And, of course, Ron's dad, uh, Ron the Face Sr., who's who's passed away, but uh, was was part of that firm and a wonderful guy. So it's uh, uh, we, have, we have good memories from that building, and but, you know, we're glad that we were able to, to invest and build in our own, which happened to be, you know, by the way, the old Fat Tuesdays location in Tallahassee. We bought that building and knocked it down. It was falling down. Uh, so our, I might have might have checked in there a couple times back in the day. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. I was there a lot too, so I think you know there's kind of the a lot of ghosts from the past are haunting our office from the old Fat Tuesday Definitely. location. The yeah. smell of daiquiris <laughs> That's in right. the air. Yeah. You know, Ron Senior actually gave me that job. I had written him a, a note after my freshman year at Florida, and uh, he's like, well, "I don't really know if we need someone full time." I was like, "Well, I don't really want to work full time." I was like, <laughs> "I'm more of a yeah. noon to five kind of guy," yeah. <laughs> and so we slid. Uh, in that into that custom schedule and no Fridays either. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, it was yeah. a great job, great opportunity, and um, great men, great professionals, as you said. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of the old days, uh, you were at Florida State. You were president of the student body. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, actually, that's how uh, Ron LaFace uh, Senior and I met, but also uh, Junior Ron LaFace Senior and I served on the Civic Center board together. One of the perks of being student body president at FSU is you sit on the Civic Center board. Uh, yeah, so that's how I met Ron Senior. Okay, and then uh, Ron Junior, who's obviously now my business partner, uh, he and I met uh, in college because he was Blue Key president at Florida, mm-hmm. uh, while I was student body president at FSU, and we were part of uh, we were the inaugural class of College Leadership Florida, and we actually we met there in undergrad, and and you know the rest is history. So, well, I posted a picture of you all. From those days, saw uh, not that. too long ago on social saw media, that, yeah. and it was from your Facebook page, yeah, so I, I figured know, it was, yeah, it was all above yeah. board, safe. Yeah, yeah. But a uh, great story, great commonality, yeah. uh, LaFace family, great people, good yes. stuff. So uh, while you were at Florida State, what, what what were those years? What was going on in the football realm and, the, and during that time? We, we got to go tops. there. We were tops. We were tops. I mean, it was ninety four to ninety eight. So we were, you know, okay, so you were we had great seasons. With, with yeah, Ron played in national championships and all that stuff. So it's been a it's been a difficult. Uh, it's been a difficult couple of years, but I will say uh, I do think that Coach Norvell's the right guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to give him a couple of years. I'm excited about some of the players that we've gotten out of the portal, the transfer portal, to help plug some holes for next year and give our team. I mean, we we have the youngest football team in college football, so we need to give our guys a couple of years to mature. So I think right. accessing the portal was a smart move, and hopefully that helps plug a hole to get us, you know, back above 500 next year with the hopes of of having a, a good season the following season. Well, I'm not a trash talker because the the memory of the McIlwain and um, Coach Boom era yeah, are yeah. very fresh. Yeah. And to get the right guy at the right time uh, for that 
for us, that was Dan Mullen. But uh, for you guys, good luck. Uh, but for us, for our age, I mean, I, I got to be honest, like the best times in college football was when FSU and UF and Miami were all top 10 teams mm-hmm. and we were all battling out to head to the national championship or playing in the national championship. You know, that that that's the best times in college football. And I'm hoping that all three programs get there. I mean, I really do get back there because it's uh, you guys had a good season this year, but you know, Miami started off good, struggled a little bit. FSU obviously had a, had a building year this year. So I think uh, if we can all get back to national prominence in the next three years or so, it's going to be good for Florida. Yeah. The 96 national championship in new Orleans. I mean, it's hard. I was there. It's hard to remember how awesome that was mm-hmm. because that was so special. Those mm-hmm. teams, those players, those coaches. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I knew those, those gentlemen, like Zach Pillar on the offensive line and guys like James Bates, you yeah. know, who is uh, in the news. Great stuff. All right, well, let's uh, pivot a little bit. That's a very popular word in 2021. you got to yes. pivot, constantly pivot. Lots of pivoting. So uh, racing. I wanted to talk about racing. Mm-hmm. Our producer, Josh, and I were talking before you got in the studio today about uh, uh, Miami and racing. Uh, what's, what's, that, what's that all about? What's your hobby? What's, uh, when did that start? Tell us about it, man. Yeah, I guess it started. I mean, I've always been infatuated with cars. My dad was a car guy. Uh, I've always loved cars growing up. Uh, I started uh, go karting, you know, f- maybe 15, 16, 17 years ago. And then I had a couple friends. That, do you know Derek Whitus and Red Odosky? I know the name. Town, yeah, so they have a, a professional race team, and they were racing professionally at the time. It kept encouraging me to, to go do the course and come out and do a race with them. So I guess it was about six or seven years ago I did that, did a race with them at uh, Virginia International Raceway, my first race ever, big race, night race. It was a, a wow. 14-hour race. They even How put long? me in for 14 hours. So we had three drivers hours. switching, me and Rhett and Derek. Okay. And, uh, and I even did a night stint uh, which this track has no lights, so you're in the middle of, of nowhere. It's pitch black, and you're just relying on your, your car's lights and these Apex lights uh, to enhance um, uh, your, your current car's lights. And I felt like I was going to die the whole time, but when I got done, <laughs> I had How such a blast. How many were you racing against? Oh, geez, there were probably 60 or 70 cars in that race. You know, it was a big race. How many crashes so, in a 14-hour oh, race? Oh, there's always plenty. Yeah, mechanical Jeez. failures, crashes. Yeah, I mean, it's a race of attrition, those big endurance races. But okay. uh, when I got out, I was so elated. I loved it so much. It was the best feeling I'd ever had, and I was kind of hooked from there. So from there on, for the last, you know, six and a half years or so, I've been racing quite a bit. Um, I, actually, I'm going to to uh, New Orleans to race this weekend. Um uh, at NOLA, their, their racetrack there. So I'm looking, really looking forward to that. And I'm even dragging my daughter along with me, my oldest. She's, she, t- she likes to kind of come on these trips because she sees the new city and gets to hang with me. And so oh, sure. it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Traveling with my dad was uh, one of the highlights of childhood. Yeah. Uh, you know, going, we went to Rio one time for a uh, business trip um, and to be able to, you know, tag along yeah. and oh, learn yeah. about your parents and see them outside yeah. the house and doing their thing. That's what she says. And she sees a new city. I mean, look, I think sitting at the racetrack all day, sometimes, you know, when I'm in the car, uh, I think she finds that exciting. We'll put her on the comm so she can talk to me. And because um, this is an endurance race Saturday and Sunday, eight hour races each day. And uh, but I'm going to be in it with a new team with a new car uh, this weekend. I'm racing a, a, a Porsche GT4 Cayman Club Sport. I'm really looking forward to that. And it's a good team. They've they won a national championship last year. And huge the World Racing League, so I'm hoping we, this is the first race of the season, so I'm hoping we start off with a win this year. What kind of top speeds are we talking with that kind of vehicle? Um, it all depends on the track. I mean, the vehicle can go, you know, close to 200, um, mm-hmm. but at this track, it all depends on the length of the straightaway, right, how fast you can get up to. Okay. This particular track, at the end of the front straight, we'll probably be looking in the 140, 145 range, you know, and that's a hard break zone uh, from there, so you're slowing down to about probably 50 miles per hour from there as late as possible. And is the pr- protective gear uh, 
like something you'd see in NASCAR. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. You're hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Han systems, full cages, nets. I mean, uh, fire suppression systems. I mean, they're very sophisticated cars. So but this yeah. is the real deal, Holyfield. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome, fun. man. I love it. Yeah, I did a a, a one lap. Um, trial out at Atlanta Motor Speedway yeah. in an IROC series yeah. uh, as part of a Marlboro event. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what it was going to I thought, yeah, we're going to ride around. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You yeah. know, once you cross 120, 140, yeah. it changes yeah. quickly. And that was just one car out there. And I wasn't even driving. I was just, I was a passenger. Well, so I can't imagine the adrenaline. It is. And, but the key is to kind of keep yourself, I think, in like anything in life is even though there's chaos going on around you in a racetrack and you're, you know, around 60 cars all doing hundred plus miles per hour, all trying to get into turn one as fast as they can. Uh, the key is to remain calm, stay focused, like blot out all the noise. And that, so there are a lot of parallels between racing and life, you know? So, um, uh, even though your adrenaline's going, it is exciting. And that's a great part about racing. But the reality is, in order to really feel the car and be fast, you have to kind of keep yourself calm and and let your senses do the work. So if you're too amped up, uh, it doesn't work. So it's that that focus and discipline is a key piece of being fast. Excellent points. I was reading a novel by uh, FSU professor uh, Dr. James Harding last Sunday, and uh, he had an unfortunate accident as a young man. And um, I know J.R. Well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I actually uh, did a, a a class with him this week. I I was a virtual. Uh, guest on his class this past week. I've, I've known Jarrah since college. Great guy. Oh, yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we host some students of his at Aegis uh, uh-huh. every semester, and to be able to have that reach um, is pretty special. Well, I don't know if you've read his uh, book, um, Now What?, but uh, the message you know, that his high school coach was, was giving it to him right when he had the accident, the situation, mm-hmm. the incident. Um, it's like, listen, you can do anything. You can overcome this just like anything in life. You can play to win. And that message of play to win throughout the book, uh, you know, I wrote a column last Saturday for FloridaPolitics.com with that message, play to win, whatever you're doing, whether it's racing, charitable work, lobbying, IT work. If you're not playing to win, you know, why bother? Agreed. So awesome. Great commonality there. And uh, cheers to JR and his team. He's overcome a lot. I mean, to to actually, you know, have to go through – becoming paralyzed not once but twice you know he had a follow-up car accident that the van flipped the van flipped he had to start back over from square one so most people would have given up the first time uh he did it twice and and look he's not only persevered but he's wildly successful so uh and and changing students lives and changing the lives of the disability community around him uh nationally so um you know it's a huge success story but just shows you that grind and grit and determination uh you know can get you through anything and you know, some people have it, some people don't, but he's clearly someone who does. Huge success. I mean, how many titles does he have next to his name? Yeah, I'm like speaker, advocate, yeah, yeah, author, yeah. professor. What yeah. do you want me to call you? Yeah. But a uh, great guy. Good stuff. Uh, on the home front, obviously last year was what it was. Uh, we spent a lot of time on the patio at our house. Yeah. Um, drank a lot of IPA, watched yeah. a lot of sports, you know, not thinking college football would happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, we retooled our patio to to be like a genie calls it my man patio whatever that means yeah manio is yeah. that a new word manio i don't know it's, yeah. you know, it's not bad yeah so anyway we ended up committing to um going to the gator games that were at home and it was pretty special you know walk in the swamp and there's four people next to you yeah and uh i mean i'm in no traffic you know, there's a lot of negatives to all of that, but the no traffic thing was a, a home run for me. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't finish strong. We played to win, but we did not finish strong. Those last couple of games were hard to watch. 
with the exception of the Alabama game. We fought hard there, but the yeah. other two. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, back to the home front. What uh, what'd you all do outside of the norm with the family? You've got children. Uh, you mentioned your daughter goes on the road with you. Yeah. Games, uh, movie nights, taco night. Um, Jimmy Fasig was talking about tacos when he was on the show a couple months ago. Taco night became like this huge event. Yeah. Margaritas, wine, tacos. What did you guys do to mix it up? Yeah, I mean, we went to some football games. I mean, thankfully, right, I'll give a prop to Governor DeSantis for keeping our economy open and encouraging sports to be played, not just at the collegiate and pro level in Florida, but at the high school level and middle school level. I mean, I can't, I cannot imagine being a senior in high school last year, uh, and I played football, and mm-hmm. them telling you you're going to miss your, your senior year of, of football uh, because of COVID. So uh, the lucky thing is, is we, we were able to do things uh, in Florida. I mean, at home, the the silver lining for me was I usually for work I travel you know two three days a week normally and that of course ended so I was home more so it was That's nice cool. to be able to spend time with my my wife and my daughters um, who are you know they're fourteen and ten they're growing up fast and so these years are kind of a blur uh, and as my wife always reminds me my fourteen year old you know in two years when she can drive is probably not going to want to hang out with us much anymore so we got to suck <laughs> it up as much as we can right now and, yeah and it's so. Coming. So, yeah, so um, we, we did a lot of cooking together. Yeah, a lot of cooking. We had a couple uh, other families that we were, we called our quarantine families that we would only do things with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they happened to be our, our friends and our, um, our daughter's best friends as well. So that worked out well. That's convenient. But, yeah, I mean, really did very little traveling. We were in the middle of moving into our new home, too. So that was kind of exciting and nice and broke up kind of the middle of COVID. Um, but you know, look, we were happy the kids were able to go back to school in August. And I, you know, I think the governor and, and uh, Commissioner Corcoran and those folks, you know, requiring schools to open was, a, was the right decision. Um, and they were thrilled to be back. Um, but this is one of those things that I think we're going to look back on years from now and, and, uh, and just remember what a struggle it was. But it, it's making us stronger. It's bringing families together. It's creating new traditions, whether it's taco taco night or taco Tuesdays or, uh, or just, you know, movie nights together right, and, right. and, and showing more appreciation for one another. So, um, in every bad situation, there's a silver lining. So for us, it was, it was the time we got to spend together. Yeah. And our leadership in Florida and, and leaders in Texas, you know, when you see uh, sports events with so small amount of fans in, in the crowd, yeah. it, uh, it's kind of, at least for me personally, it's kind of a feel good moment. Like it's not the end of the world. There's people out actually doing something. Yeah, it's the only normalcy we have. And you mentioned Texas too. I mean, look, I think uh, the silver lining of COVID, uh, despite it just being such a, a terrible thing and the amount of loss of life has been terrible and what mm-hmm. it's done economically to folks has been terrible. Uh, I do think the policies though that Florida has in place and that Texas has in place is going to create incredible growth. When we get people vaccinated and the economy's open fully back up, I think Florida and Texas in particular, those two states are really set up for the next decade or two uh, to grow substantially as a result of the policies that we have in place of an open economy because we haven't, we haven't, our economy hasn't dived as much as these other states have. Right. And it's attracted uh, wealth and, uh, and businesses to move to those two states to flee lockdown states. And that's going to continue to pay dividends over time. And that's going to help people uh, in our economies with jobs. It's going to help the state budget um, and it's going to help us recover quickly. So if there's any silver lining into this horrible thing, it's it's that for our state. And I mentioned Texas for two reasons. A, a I was born in Houston. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not long. Spent two years there. But B, watching the uh, Rose Bowl yeah. in Texas 
was a lot. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. that's certainly stuck with me since bowl season. Yeah. Well, good stuff. So, um, I was talking about Spotify with one of my uh, teammates before mm-hmm. we walked over and advertising on Spotify. And, you know, one of the things early in the pandemic, Jeannie and I would have, you know, just music night. So this is your music question for today. Mm-hmm. What's the last thing you listened to music wise? Well, it's actually on Spotify this morning working out. Uh, I have a, a <laughs> I usually listen to a hard rock workout list. So it's a playlist of all hard rock. I like music where this on is Spotify. going. Yeah. So uh, I, but I'm, I'm like, I listen to everything. So when I'm cooking, my daughters will tell you, cause they know every word to every song. It's all Frank Sinatra. I listen to Frank Sinatra. I drink wine and I cook and I usually cook one, at least one night a week, uh, you know, for the family. It's usually steaks or something Italian, but, um, but so my repertoire is limited, but it's always Frank Sinatra. Awesome. And then, uh, you know, during the day, I mean, I listen, I listen to rap. I listen to country. I listen to hard rock. I'm all over the place. So I have a pretty broad music spectrum but this morning hard rock workout list on spotify actually so we talking some motley crew some uh, uh poison death leopard white snake all the good ones yeah excellent yeah most yeah. excellent yeah my childhood was a uh, you know a series of hard rock incidents motley crew and guns and roses oh, yeah. albany georgia 1988 one of the best concerts of all time yeah. big fan of the crew big fan of guns and roses yeah listen to them a lot Wait a minute! I just had a, a memory. Didn't I see you at the Guns N' Roses you reunion did. tour in you Orlando? Did in Orlando, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. I was trying. I want to do the stadium tour. By the way, you know they keep canceling and putting off, but it's got you know Def Leppard and Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Poison. I mean that I'll Pat be Benatar. I want to. There's one uh, in July and July, right? Is it August? July, August? Even if it's limited seating, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, me too. Me I'll too. be there, man. It's like the perfect playlist. It is. It is absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's talk about um, North Florida charitable causes before we wrap today. Uh, I see you guys out at the Treehouse event every year. What is your family, Capital City Consulting, what are you all engaged in in the community, uh, in the state, as far as um, charitable organizations? Yeah, so the number one, I mean, we, we you know, kind of, we spread, we kind of spread around um, uh, our fam from a family perspective, we spread around the different causes. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of Tallahassee causes, you mentioned Treehouse, um, that we tend to contribute to our number one charity though like if we were to pick the one that we support probably the most mm-hmm. uh would be march of dimes and the reason awesome. for that is my uh my youngest daughter ella was premature um she was actually born in fort lauderdale we were down uh visiting my wife's family for for thanksgiving and it was kind of it was right outside the window where you're no longer you know supposed to travel uh when you're far enough along in pregnancy the night before Thanksgiving, my wife goes into labor at 8.30 at night. We rush to the hospital. Uh, she's born at like 1.30 in the morning on Thanksgiving Day. Um, but she was premature. And so we were in the NICU down there for about five and a half weeks. And um, luckily, she's had no, no residual issues. She was healthy, just needed more time. And the uh, NICU nurses were just absolutely fantastic. Like, they're just absolute angels. You, you know, here you are, you're, you're so scared about, you know, your child having health concerns, and they look so little and frail. Right. And these nurses are just taking care of everything, reassuring you, and the comfort it gave us was huge. So we know what other families have to go through who have premature uh, uh, babies. So the March of Dimes has been our kind of our go-to charity. Awesome. Well, cheers to the March of Dimes, and a salute to all health care workers this year and last yeah. Oh, what a sure. mission. Oh, yeah. Heroes, for sure. I mean, they've put themselves in harm's way. And the um, I, I don't think people appreciate just the number of hours they're putting in under very stressful conditions. So it's not just the, the fact they're putting themselves in harm's way, uh, you know, dealing with COVID patients, but um, but 
they're putting in an inordinate amount of hours under very stressful situations and, and, you know, we'd be in big trouble without them. Absolutely. All right. Final question of the day. This is the big one. What is the proudest moment of your career? Wow. I haven't thought about that one. It's a big one. That is a big one. So we'll give you dun, 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 five seconds for the answer. I got to say, I probably um, a few years back, we won the Influence Magazine Lobbying Firm of the Year. That that was, even though we were you know kind of smaller then than we are now, I think the recognition from our peers that we were you know a top lobbying firm uh, was kind of the point where I felt like we arrived, you know. And then we've just built off that over time. But I gotta, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, every year, I think we accomplish things that kind of make me more and more proud. I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not a guy that really looks back, you know. I'm kind mm-hmm. of an on to the next one guy, and uh, and so. Uh, every year we're chasing that next goal, whether it be a revenue number or whether it be a a, a, a win in the legislature uh, for a client, uh, whether it be that next hire. So, I mean, I'm always kind of proud of the next moment. You know, we're never really, really looking back, always looking forward. And so I think that's been our, the secret to, you know, to our success is that we don't really rest on our laurels or previous accolades, but are always looking for the next one. Yeah, we're going for the Florida trend, best places to work. Year number four, yeah. four Pete, yeah. is that a thing? Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. on the uh, on the distinction for the firm and to you as well. Last year, uh, Influence Magazine top one hundred person of the year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and it is. I'm proud of those things. But uh, again, we just we got a great team, and we're just uh, constantly looking forward, constantly looking for the next the next win. Well, I've had the opportunity to contribute with to Peter and Phil and the crew at FloridaPolitics.com for several years yeah. and uh, great news mechanism for our state and yeah, for, for sure. you all's industry and happy to be part of it. That being said, Nick, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It was fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. As we move forward, 2021, season two of the Biz and Tech podcast, we've got Monica from WCTV coming on the show, Sally Bradshaw with Midtown Reader, Matt from Madison Social. Can't wait to hear his story of Gain Street and that bar. Awesome. Thanks for supporting us. Look for Nick and Capital City Consulting to be winning more awards in the future. Go Gators. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.